Uh, if you start making your way back to your seat, it's always good to have good fellowship. And of course, at the end, you're more than welcome to stick around and don't rush off and enjoy the fellowship with one another. All right. Good morning. Everybody good? Should be good. Wide awake. Shouldn't put you to sleep. You had an extra hour of sleep, right? Yeah. Unless you stayed up watching football like I did and you probably uh probably need an extra hour of sleep so depending on who you pull for right all right well today we're going to continue on in our series uh in parables in the bible and um today the title of the message is the farmer and his seed okay and I hope, and my prayer is, is as I'm preparing, that I'll I'll be able to bring out a couple of points. Because if you've been in church very long, you probably have heard this parable. You probably can recite it. You probably know it. Well, um, my prayer is, is hopefully I can give you a little aspect that you may have not thought about. And um, But let's dive right in, okay? We'll be in Matthew. We'll be in chapter 13. If you want to turn in your Bibles, I'll have the scripture up here. And we'll first look at verses 3 through 9, and then we'll go and we'll skip over to verses 18 through 23. It says this, Then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow a seed. And as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came up and ate it. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil, And it sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seeds fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seeds fell on good soil where it produced a crop a 160 or 30 times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. How many of you have ever planted a garden raise your hands all right so a lot of experience in in this room with gardens now when i talk about a garden like most of you probably have maybe talking about less than an acre probably maybe like the size of this little section right here right i mean do we have any real big farmers out there like that sow a lot of seed like acres and acres is anybody out here that does that Gary does. So when you think about sowing, and I, we farm, but we don't plant anything major. You know, when I, when I'm thinking about this message, the only thing I really plant, and I have planted a garden before, but I, I plant food plots to, for a little deer to come out and walk out there and eat. And then if he sits there long enough, I'll, I'll, uh, I may eat him later on. It just depends on if he's cooperating or not. But that's really about the only time I really plant is um, anymore is when I plant food plots. So I'll just kind of keep that in your mind. But there's many ways of planting. You know, I, I, I probably could get Gary up here, and he's definitely an expert. He's definitely definitely has a lot more experience than I do, probably a whole lot more successful than I am. And if I get something wrong, just forgive me. Just kind of, just kind of nod and just say, yeah, he don't know what he's really talking about people when it talks about sowing. But here's how I sow my food plots. 
is when I go out there, um, or even when I plant my garden, I'll take a soil sample, and I'll usually like to take it to like Clemson Extension. Because one thing that I don't want to do, and if you if you especially right now is is high seed is and fertilizer is and lime is and that kind of stuff, man, it gets really expensive. So what I'll do is I'll take it like to a Clemson extension and, you know, they'll do a sample and then they'll tell me, hey, you need to put this much lime or this much fertilizer, blah, blah, blah. So it sort of helps me prepare because if I'm planting something, I want to I harvest it. I mean, I, mean, I want it to grow. I don't want to just throw seed in the ground, spend my whole day, you know, just sowing for no reason, right? So that's the first step. And then what I start to do is I'll start to turn the soil over. You know, I'll, I'll get my tractor out and I'll put my hair on or my disc and I'll, I'll, you know, break up the ground. And then I sort of let it recover. I don't know if that's wise or not, but that's just what an old man told me one time. So that's what I do. He said, you need to let your land rest after you do it. So I let it rest for a few days and then I'll go back and I'll till it back in again. And then comes the sowing part. And then what I'll do is, is I've got a, three different ways that I sow my seed. Now I have a tractor and I have, and I don't, Gary can probably tell me what the proper name of it is. I always call it a hopper. I don't know. It's just a big old spreader. And, uh, I've always just called, nicknamed it my hopper. And so I'll fill it and it'll hold about four or five 50 pound bags of seed and I'll go out there. And I'll turn it on and hit my PTO and I'm, and I'm spreading seed. Man, that stuff, it slings seed everywhere. I mean, it'll, it'll sling it where I disc it. It'll sling it in the woods. It'll sling it everywhere, you know. And I'm like, man, I mean, especially right now with as high as seed is, it's like, man, I'm, I'm not using my hopper. That thing just wastes too much seed. So then I also have, I have like a hand spreader. How many of you have ever seen like a little hand spreader? It's a little thing that holds a few cups of a seed and you go in there and you have to hold it and you turn it like that. And you just constantly, you know, you're just doing, that thing will wear you out. You get wore out going back and forth to the seed, you know, in the bag. But I'll tell you my favorite way to do it. And I know this is not like Gary scale of stuff because it would be impossible. He would spend all day, but I like to do it by hand. I, I usually like to grab like a five gallon bucket and I'll fill it halfway to maybe three quarters full and I'll put it up under my hand, under my arm, and I'll just reach in that bucket and I just, I love to spread it like that. I love to feel the seed. I, it just, for whatever reason, it's more gratifying. Have you ever, have you, how many of you have ever done it like that? Okay. I love it. I, I love to feel the seed. I love to smell the seed. But it's not always the most economical, right? It just depends. But it's all about really preference. You know, sometimes I may put it in the hopper if I'm kind of got a big food plot and I want to get done pretty quick. But if I got time, I'm typically going to do it by hand. Now, I want you to look at what it says about the seed of the farmer just in that scripture that we read. Notice it says as he was sowing some of the seed just fell it fell in different places and you know like i told you i don't like to like to waste it because one thing that you have to do whenever you whenever you sow your seed there's one important step that you have to do does anybody know what it is 
And this is like you do have to talk. I mean, you can tell me. What's one thing that you have to do to this seed? After you broke up your ground, after you sown your seed, what do you do? Well, you got to water it, but you got to what? Yeah, you better cover it. Because if you don't cover it, and I've made that mistake, just like the Bible says, the birds, the turkeys, whatever, they will come and they will devour that seed. It's like, I don't know if they just, it's, it's like a dinner bell when that tractor's going, but it's like they just know when it's going to happen. And man, the doves, everybody, I mean, they just come flooding and they will wipe your seed totally out. But notice in the Bible when it says that it's on the path, you know, where the birds came and ate it up. You know, to me, it may not sound much, but it did serve a purpose in feeding the birds, didn't it? You know, at least, at least the birds got some satisfaction out of it and it maybe helped them out a little bit. So maybe it's not totally wasted, but, but anyway. But then it says also, it says it fell on rocky places it fell among the thorns. But then finally it says it fell on good soil. Now for me, and keep this in mind, this is God's provision for everyone. And we'll get into that in just a moment, no matter where you are in life. So let's continue on. And Jesus goes on and explains the parable. He says, listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand that the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sowed along the path. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. Because when trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word until, I'm sorry, while making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop, yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. Now, with the number of people that we have in this room, I promise you, I can assure you, there are people right here in this room that are on, you're either on the path, you're either in rocky places, you're in the thorns, and there's some of you that's in good soil. So before you try and identify which soil that you're in, which I think the enemy probably wants you to focus on. It's like, no, man, I'm choking. You know, the word of God is, you know, it's applicable to Mark, but it's not applicable to Raj. You know, in my situation, you know, listen, all of us, all of us have been in those three places or four places, hopefully, prayerfully, the good soil. But I want you to focus on two things and two things only today. I want you to focus on the farmer and his seed. Okay. Who's the farmer? God. And what is the seed? His word. Right. His word. The kingdom of God. You know, sometimes we attribute this scripture 
to just salvation, you know. But think about, think about the farmer and his seed, the word. You see, the farmer is always consistent, always sowing, always allowing seed to fall here and there, even in places to where he knows it's not going to produce, right? So three out of the four places that is talked about in Scripture, the seed doesn't do any good, right? Three out of the four. Keep that in mind. Percentages. What percentage is that? 25% of the time. 25% of the time, the Word of God will go out and something will happen to it. Think about it. 25% of the time it's only successful or what we view it to be successful. Because see, let me tell you, whether you're on the path or whether you're on the rocky ground or the thorn, let me tell you, God still offers his seed to you. He offers the word of God, the kingdom of God to you consistently, time and time. Even if you're not in a place to receive it, he's still offering it to you. He lets it fall on you, doesn't he? You know, what's our part? Well, when you look at our lives, and if you can be honest with yourself, you probably can look back through your t- through the time of your life and you say, Mark, yep, you know what? At this particular time, I was on the path, and I heard the word of God, but then something came and snatched it up. And then sometimes you can look and you can say, yep, I'm on the rocky places where I had, I'd heard the word and I really knew it to be true, but I just wasn't in a position to really know the word, to to really take in the word. And then sometimes we're in the thorns, aren't we? You know, we're in those thorns where, you know, the word of God, we know it's true. And I'll tell you, one of the biggest areas that I see that we get into the thorns is the area of forgiveness. Because we know forgiveness is what we need. We know that forgiveness is what we need to do. But, man, it's tough, ain't it? When somebody does us wrong, oh, my gosh. We we don't want to just get back or even. Sometimes we want to get ahead, don't we? You know, when the Word of God says... If you expect to be forgiven, you better forgive. See, I believe in the scripture, the cool thing that I think about is that maybe mine and your part, if we're the good soul, is that maybe, just maybe, we have the opportunity to help disc up other people. You know, we have the opportunity. Because, see, look here, the farmer does the sowing right he he owns the seed he is the word of god so maybe our part is that man maybe we need to be the one who helped diss people how many of you have had people come into your life that have turned you over that maybe have taken you to a different place that give you a different perspective of life and you're like oh my gosh you know i've lived all these years And yet, I never thought about my life in that perspective. You know, Steve and Don Edders, those two guys right there, when I first came here, 
they turned me over and it was not it was not painless i will tell you that you know they challenged me in my faith you know and then as i've gotten to know people like bill stallings and frankie and many others of you you do the same thing for me you know and i'm very appreciative of what god does and and no longer do i see it as a painful place but i see as god just you know turning me over <laughs> let me learn something else what, what what other seed are you trying to plant in me, Lord? What what about forgiveness, Mark? You know, what about, you know, unconditional love? What about peace? What about patience, kindness? What about goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control? What about all those things? See, let me illustrate about this thing where we all probably have been on those different paths. <clears throat> there was once a gentleman here in our community, very well known. He was... Big time, I mean, really big time, heavily involved in a in a civic organization here. And he was up in his 80s, and uh, he was always out there selling candies. He was always selling uh, pecan logs and raffle tickets and everything else for this organization. At one time, he was actually president of the organization. Man, he loved what he did for this organization. And he was faithful. Man, he was faithful to that organization. And to me, as far as I know, um, he was a very moral man, but he lacked something. And he lacked, what he lacked was a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And as, as honest as he was, you'd ask him if he knew the Lord, or if he, he would say, he'd tell you, no, I'm not. I'm not saved. I have, I've never given my heart to the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm not really interested in it right now. Well, Becky and I, we went to a former church here, uh, here in our community out in Blackstock area. His daughter went to that church. And so she was coming to pick him up for church. And and um, <clears throat> Becky and I, we lived here in Robin Circle. And so we all, we said, well, hey, instead of you coming all the way from Blackstock, we'll come and we'll, we'll pick him up. So that's what we did. We started picking him up. I'd pick him up on Sundays and Wednesdays, and we'd take him to church and bring him back home. And actually, my pastor was the one who told me that he was lost, you know. And so I kind of poked and prodded him, you know, and I'm like, do you know the Lord? I said, no, 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 troop. I don't know the Lord now. No, no. And uh, to me, it started burdening me. It started really bothering me. (laughs) So every time i pick him up for church, I'd ask him. And any time we come back from church, I'd ask him, you ready? You ready? Are you ready to accept the Lord? No troop. And if you know, if you, you probably know who I'm talking about, if you, because he, he called everybody troop, you know, he no troop. I ain't ready. I ain't ready. Well, time came, Becky and I, we felt God call us here to this church. And so we left and, uh, we made sure I talked to his daughter. I said, look, if I, if, if I need to make sure that he gets back before church, I'll bring him. But I want him going to church. You know, don't, don't let us coming here stop him. And he said, oh, no, 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 we'll, we'll make a way. Don't worry about it. And so anyway, I don't know, probably a year or more went by. Probably, isn't that right, B? Probably about a year or so went by. And one Sunday night, I'd heard he was in the hospital. And so one Sunday night, I got a call. And I was like, that's unusual somebody called that late at night. I mean, it was my old pastor, Jimmy Lau. Jimmy says, hey, I just want to let you know that I went to see him tonight, our friend. And guess what? He accepted the Lord Jesus Christ tonight. 
And I'm like, you are got to be kidding me. And so, man, I started weeping, you know, and I couldn't wait to talk to him, you know. So the next day I went out there to the hospital and he had some people in his room. And so I went up to him and I was like, hey, I heard the good news, man. And, uh, and he, and he kind of was taken back. I don't know. He's, he's kind of like, mm, I don't really want to talk about it right now. And of course, then instantly my mind starts going like, you know, I know when I got saved, I know I didn't mind telling anybody. I didn't care who was in the room or anything. But I, but I had a rude awakening when I went uh, to visit him. And I'll be honest with you, it really bothered me because I'm like, ooh, it's almost like the path. You know, did 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 he did he just do it to get the preacher off his back? <laughs> you know. And so I left very discouraged. And so I didn't, you know, didn't see him the rest of the week. Then that following Saturday night, uh, he calls me and he says, Hey troop, um, I want you and, and your wife to come see me after church tomorrow. And I said, okay. And uh, I said, we'll be out there after church. So, and of course, my mind starts thinking this this guy, he didn't accept Jesus Christ. He just did to get the preacher off his back, you know, is what I was thinking. So anyway, went out there after church. And uh, i never forget it. Walked into his room. He's sitting in, if you know Chester Hospital, they had the little rec- uh, lounge chairs, reclining chairs or whatever. So he's sitting in the reclining chair. He said, troop, sit down on the bed right there. I said, all right. So I sat down on his bed and Becky sat in the chair beside him. And he said, he said, uh, Troop, you, you trust old Bubba, don't you? I said, oh yeah, absolutely. He said, you know, I'll, I'm going to be honest with you. I said, absolutely, Bubba. I know you're always going to be honest with me. He said, he got up on the edge of his chair and he sat up there. He threw his hands up in there. He said, I'm saying you, Troop. I'm saved by the grace of God I'm saved and I'll never forget it with tears rolling down his eyes and immediately when this, when I was preparing for this message I was thinking about I said how many people how many people had turned him over for the Lord how many people and God in his graciousness through the times that he was on the path, through the times that he was in the rocky places, to the times that he was in the thorns, and now finally he's in good soul. God was so generous to let that seed fall. Constantly, constantly. You know, a lot of times we get discouraged because we think God's not doing anything. You know, and I, I, I told Chris, I said, I don't want to mess this thing up. But the song that we sang says, Surely every season... You are good to me. Think about it. three out of the four times, different souls, three out of the four, we think the seed is being wasted, don't we? It's not being wasted at all. Because God's word never comes back void. You know, it never comes back void. Even when it doesn't look like he's doing anything, he's doing something. Our part is covering that seed up. How you cover seed up, y'all, in the spiritual in the spiritual realm? What is the greatest thing that you and I can do to help cover seed? What is it? Prayer. Prayer. If there's one thing that you want to do, pray. God is faithful. The farmer is going to do the work. His seed doesn't come back void. Sometimes we beat the cover, we'll cover it up. Sometimes we need to disc it up. Now, 
You and I have the choice, though, to be good soil. Sometimes we got to keep turning over, don't we? You know, there's many, many people. I could probably talk to, to those of you who have witnessed time and time and time again to people, and it seems like you, all you're doing is just turning, turning, turning. And I was thinking about this message. I was thinking about at, um, at Melissa's funeral. And I'm talking about Ralph. And how many times that the Lindsay family, through the path, through the rocky places, through the thorns, and finally hit on good soil, you know, they consistently trusted God to provide the seed. And then you see his picture out here with Billy Lindsay is baptizing him out here in the foyer all those years ago. God doesn't waste the seed, y'all. Now, that's part one of a five-part message, okay? So just hold on. Of course, I'm only kidding you. I've seen a lot of you taking your message, looking at your clocks. So. The second, last part is this. If you, if you are good soul, what does the Bible say? Okay? If you look back, I'm going to see if I can get it to go back. And I may not get to go back. But it says this. Other seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop 160 or 30 times what was sown. Let me ask you, how's your production? You know, if you, if you look at your life, how are you producing for the Lord Jesus Christ? You know, I'm in sales. You know, Rick can appreciate it. Tim can appreciate it because we, we all sell insurance. And insurance is a tough place. Nobody likes to pay it. I don't like to pay it myself. And, um, you know, I know y'all think we're from the devil, but we're not from the devil. Um, you got to have it. And um, But when you think about, when I think about sales, and these guys probably tell you, and it's kind of ironic when you talk about percentages. I may quote a hundred policies, but I'll only write about twenty-five. Okay, it's about twenty-five is about probably the industry average twenty to twenty-five percent of probably what you quote. You'll probably end up writing. So that means like eighty percent of the time I'm wasting my time, or am I wasting my time? You know, I've quoted a lot of people, and these guys can tell you we've quoted people through the years. And I may not get your business today, but I may get it in a year or two or maybe five years down the road. And that's the way I look at things. That's the way I look at things from this perspective. If I'm looking at it from, well, 75% of the time, I'm wasting my time. No, 75% of the time, I'm not wasting my time. I'm building relationships. I mean, I've quoted some, this one guy. I remember I quoted him for like five years. No, you're still too high. You're still too high. All right, well, we'll check it again next year. And finally, after five years, I was able to write his business, you know. And um, and the one thing that he told me is that I'd always put him on my calendar, and I'd call him about a month before his renewal. And the one thing he told me, Mr. Billy, I'll never forget him. He's passed away now. And he kept his business after I got it. He never changed it. He never checked with anybody else. 
But the one thing he told me says, you were so consistent and faithful. He said, that's why you got my business immediately. He said, you, and we were pretty close, I think, in price. That I finally, we finally got a little bit closer in price. But a lot of times we feel like we're wasting our time. Trust me, guys, you're not wasting your time. There are people going the path. There's some in rocky places. There's some in thorns. Our prayer and our hope is to get them to the good soil where they can produce. So as you think about this message, think about farmers always consistent. His seed is true. His seed is plentiful. He never runs out of seed. You know, our part is, is to say, hey, you know, I'm not going to, I'm going to disc it. And Lord, maybe I just need to keep praying. Just keep praying. Keep praying. You keep sowing, Lord. I'm going to keep praying. And, and if I need to turn it over, I'll turn it over. Because sooner or later, the Bible also says that there's a great harvest to be taken, you know, and he's, he's ready for workers, you know. Just like this morning, the young lady that gave her life to the Lord years ago and, and was baptized, you don't never know. You just never know. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your grace. Lord, I thank you for your mercy. I thank you that you are a good farmer. I thank you, God, that you have the good seed. God, I thank you that your seed never runs out, that your word is always true, that it always prevails. It's never wasted, even when we think it is. And God, I know there are people in this room right now that are on the path. Lord, I know there are people that are in rocky places. I know there are even some in the thorns. My prayer, Lord, is that they would take that transition and get and be in that good soil. Lord, because it is our choice whether or not to accept your word as truth or whether it's in forgiveness, whether it's in giving, whether it's in service, whatever it may be. Father, I just ask, Lord, that you do the work that we can't do. And Lord, I thank you for allowing us to be a part of your kingdom in Jesus' name.